Welcome back to Team Talk ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. He's Scott Galetti. I'm Sam Hauser here till 7 tonight. Got a bunch of NBA playoffs going on later in the week as I'm talking to a lot of NBA playoffs here on the show, but there's a lot going on in the world of college sports that is up for discussion. There's a lot of hypotheticals being thrown around, and there's a lot of rules that are trying to be put in place, maybe even retroactively in certain cases. So wanted to bring in our friend of the show, Dan Lust. He's with us on ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team. He's on the Daniels Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Cool Take Hotline. You can find him on Twitter at Sports Law Lust. He's a sports attorney and analyst here on ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team. Dan, first off, before we get into the, the, the dirty stuff, it's always good to talk to you, man. How are you? Always fun to talk to you. Uh, the college sports world is certainly buzzing, and uh, at least in our line of business, that's where the uh, bells and whistles are going off. But listen, always a pleasure to talk to you guys. I feel like when things go bad in the sports world, I am happy to uh, make sense of it. So always happy to get to <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's an unfortunate... And you do just that. Yeah, and, and you do an amazing job of it. It's, it's kind of an unfortunate spot to be in, because when there's bad news that happens, you're the one that we call to try to make sense of it. I mean, it's, it's, it's in the line of work, but I mean, you and... Uh, you and and uh, you and uh, Darren Heitner certainly you guys do a great job of it. The Conduct Detrimental Podcast, where you also need to go to get more of these guys. They really do a great job there of kind of laying everything out and explaining what what is going on uh, in the in the uh, dirty side of sports. So I'm just going to open up to you uh, first here, Dan. Before we get started, of everything that has gone on, that is going on with uh, Power Five commissioners going to Washington to try to. Fast track some uh, some groundwork for some uh, for some new directives going in a different direction with trying to crack down on the blurred lines between pay for play and NIL. Just all the details that have come out the last couple of days, last couple of weeks. What have been some of the things that you've found the most interesting as far as what the NCA is trying to do? Yeah, I, I think um, you know for troubleshooting, there's really two problems that that college sports is facing right now. Um, I don't, know if, I don't really know if either are problems independently, but the two of them working together uh, certainly uh, has ri- risen to the level, as you guys mentioned, where college commissioners are now kind of pleading with the federal government uh, to get some assistance. So, um, you know, 1A and 1B, the transfer portal, right? Uh, you have a record number of athletes entering it. Um, you do not have to sit out a year. It's almost a you know, version of free agency, which I think <laughs> our athletes are certainly entitled to. The other side of that is NIL payments, which... You know, they're, they're both new, right? We've never had such freedom of movement in college sports. Athletes have never been paid, both of which are certainly very good. The problem is the combination of the two is creating something that is akin to, um, you know, free agency, a bidding or whatever you want to call it. Again, it's not a bad thing, um, but these teams competing for these players kind of out in the open for dollar signs, that's never really been done before. And all of a sudden, you know, these conference commissioners, the schools, they're kind of looking everywhere and they're saying, well, who's policing this? The NCA is not. The state governments are not. So who's left, right? I guess the federal government, right? When you get in trouble, you ask for a federal bailout. Um, that's, that's really at a high level what we're looking at here. Um, you know, at, at a certain point, I think they just looked and said the NCA is not doing anything. Now we get the federal government and the NCA saw that and they go, well, before we go to the federal government, let us try to fix this. So 
you know, that's, uh, you know, the, the lethal cocktail we're dealing with right now. And it seems like really what like we had, we've known for for 10 months now that this was always going to be a, a situation where a lot was TBD. You know, what is this going to look like once it actually gets off the ground? It seems like really what took us in the direction we're going in now uh, was the situation with, with John Ruiz in Miami where he wasn't even trying to be uh, sneaky at all about it. You got... Uh, you, you got two different tweets that come out two minutes apart, one announcing a player transferring from Kansas State to Miami, the other one announcing an NIL deal literally two minutes apart, and so that really ends up being the big red flag. So as we're talking about, you know, now somebody's, there's no more, you know, oh, somebody should do something about this. Like now it's to the point of somebody has to do something about this. You know, we're seeing uh, we're seeing uh, updated policies and procedures coming out from the NCA, reminding people what the definition of a booster is. So, where do you, in in your eyes, where are we at right now in terms of like how far away we are from actually seeing some of this concrete change that the NCA is trying to implement? Yeah, so a lot has been made about the NCA's new newly issued guidance. I don't want to make it seem like it's some, you know, uh, some huge thing. What they're really saying is that, hey, by the way, collectors or boosters, they're kind of the same thing, which we already knew. Um, and the NCAA is basically saying, listen, things that have happened for the past 10 months, they're not necessarily going to go unpunished. We will look back, and if they're particularly egregious violations, we will issue punishments. The thing, if you want to read between the lines, you know, um, I, I think there were people in our academic space that said, you know, the NCAA is trying to punish people dangling money to get people to transfer to their school. So, for example, right, if you're at a uh, New Mexico State and there's a school like USC dangling money for a kid to transfer, and the kid does transfer, that would be seen as a, you know, somewhat of an illegal inducement. What the NCAA clarified is that also offering money for, a, for someone to stay at your school could also be seen as an improper um, inducement to stay at the school. Mm. So what the NCAA is doing, I think, if you, you ask me, right, they're, they're saying, hey, Previous violators are not going to go unpunished, but they're also sending a warning sign, like, hey, whatever gray area existed before, we're making it crystal clear. The collectives and boosters, they're one and the same. That's what we're going to refer to them as. And you could also get in trouble for offering someone a lot of money to stay. And Sam, as you mentioned, John Ruiz, that there was a story about Isaiah Wong, a basketball player. I think uh, Nigel Pack, a transfer, right. was basically, John Ruiz said, Hey, we're paying the guy 800000 over two years. It's a marketing deal. It's not a salary. Don't worry about it. And uh, Isaiah Wong, one of these incumbent players who was on the Elite Eight team, um, basically, I think, saw that deal and said, well, this incoming guy's getting paid. I-, I took the team to the promised land. Maybe I should get paid. So, you know, in-, in that sense, if you just want to use Miami, both of those deals would go under the microscope. The deal where they're getting the transfer kit in and the deal where they're paying to keep the guy in to avoid him from transferring. So I think the NCAA is clearing things up. So... You know, uh, I think violators moving forward, I think you're going to think twice. Yeah, Isaiah Wong threatened to transfer unless he got his deal restructured based on what we saw from his, his brand new teammate. As you mentioned, Nigel Pack. We're talking to Dan Lust here on ESPN Radio 1017. The team is on the Daniels Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Cool Take Hotline. He's a sports attorney. And follow him on Twitter at Sports Law Lust. And definitely check out the, contract, the Conduct Detrimental podcast uh, that he's on as well. And so what you mentioned there, Dan, at the very beginning is, what really caught my eye in seeing some of this new language that's being put out, the idea that they're going to go back and try to retroactively hand down punishments based on on things that have happened over the last 10 months that at the time didn't break any rules because things were so 
ambiguous. And so, I mean, basically, never mind the fact that the NCAA doesn't have a great history when it when it tries to take control of these situations and handing down punishments anyway. But even just from a general legal standpoint, is this one of the areas where we're seeing the possibility of lawsuits happening all over the place? I mean, is this going to be one of those areas when they do try to hand down punishments retroactively like that? So I'm going to try to bake in like a 10-minute answer into a relatively short answer. You know, <laughs> the, the NCA it's tough, but, you know, we're talking legalese here. I'll try to, I'll try to simplify it. Oh, yeah, but please. La- yeah, la- last year there was a big case that went all the way up to the United States Supreme Court, a case called NCA versus Austin. It was a case about um, basically what kind of academic compensation you could give to athletes. It's, it was essentially on point. It wasn't exactly at all, but it was pretty close. And in that decision, Justice Kavanaugh, in, in an opinion, wrote, the NCA is not above the law. So that was basically saying, hey, if the NCA tries to act moving forward, and they act within like an illegal market restraint, they try to hold down athletes' compensation in any way, shape, or form, they could potentially get sued for it in, in terms of an antitrust violation. So... Uh, you know, from that decision, the NCA, a lot of people will, will have read into that, that the NCA decided not to police NIL for these last 10 months, from July 1st till today, because they were worried about that particular language, that they were going to get sued by someone. And here was the Supreme Court basically inviting someone to sue the NCA if they do anything affirmatively wrong. So what has the NCA done in response to that opinion? They've done nothing. They've sat on the sideline. They haven't punched anyone for anything. So the comments from the NCA this past week are essentially people saying, well, Guess the sleeping giant is waking up all of a sudden. They're now going to institute some punishment. Maybe it's going to be retroactive. Maybe it's going to be moving forward. But the second guy is that the NCA does something. They punish a, hypothetically, a Miami or a USC or any of these schools. Now they will have affirmatively acted and punished someone or a school in maybe violation to a state law, right? Remember, guys, these collectives in these various states are operating um, legally, like these states are allowing them to operate, you know, by and large, right? They've hired lawyers to make sure they were operating above board. So if the NCA punishes a collective and punishes a school because of something that is allowed via state law, that's a problem, right? A private company can't tell someone, hey, you are not allowed to adhere to state law. We're more important than state law. That's not true. So those are the lawsuits that could be coming. The second the NCA issues their first, you know, we'll call it an NIL violation, Rest assured, right, boosters from that school are probably going to sue for what's called a restraining order to stop that punishment, an injunction to stop some type of punishment. Um, that's the first battle I see happening. 